We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. Welcome to another episode of Cap Rules Everything Around Me. Cream, get the money, dollar dollar bills, y'all. I'm your host, Jeremy Cohen. We are T-minus 20 hours away from the NBA trade deadline. A lot of exciting stuff. We've already seen a flurry of trades come in today. Uh, we saw the Pistons getting into the action with Fontecchio uh, being acquired from Utah. We saw the Celtics get Xavier Tillman from the Grizzlies. So, uh, it's been some flurry of activity. Nice to see before we really get into the thick of it tomorrow. At this point, I feel as though everything that's uh, needed to be clarified has kind of been said. A lot of random things that could certainly come about. I usually start this with one big thing. And my one big thing is that uh, there's some there are a few candidates, of course, that are being mentioned. And it'll be fascinating to see how the next 20 hours play out. I fully expect the Knicks to get a player. Uh, do I think they will get two players? Possibly. It's uh, It'll be fascinating to see just what their angle is. So, you know, I mean, today we saw some sort of reporting about Bruce Brown. And then we saw something about Alec Burks, two names that have been bandied about for some time of Nick's interest. I buy that both of them are of Nick's interest. I found the timing of the Burks news today to be pretty fascinating. Of course, we saw a report about how Bruce Brown and the Knicks were talking and suddenly there's a mystery team that's come in with a first round offer. I get the sense that if the offer was that much better then maybe the Raptors would have simply taken it. Maybe not. But for the Burks rumor to follow afterwards, it felt sort of like a leverage play. And again, I think the Knicks are absolutely interested in Alec Burks. There'd have to be some fine, uh, fascinating finance, say fascinating quite a bit. There'd be some interesting financial movement that goes quite along uh, the ways, which is why I've got some skepticism with Burks. Again, they could trade for him. They just probably have to make another move. I would gather they'd want to turn Fournier into a little bit more money than what he has right now. But as things stand, Brown still makes the most sense to me as a trade target. 
you know, you're talking about a CAA player, which has to be relevant in some capacity. The Knicks to acquire him, potentially flip him this summer, make him continue a soup. That would be nice $23 million that goes into CAA's pockets. Of course, wouldn't be the full amount, but that would be a contract that would be picked up and kicked back a little bit more money to CAA. But on top of that, he does a lot of what the Knicks need. There is a need at the guard position. His off the dribble shooting is quite good this year. Uh, there's a lot to be said about middle inning relievers, and I get that, and I think that's exactly what the Knicks need at this point in time. But they also need playoff con- uh, contributors, and we know that Bruce Brown was able to contribute in the playoffs last year for the uh, championship-winning Denver Nuggets. So that's where I'm at. Obviously, very curious to hear people's thoughts, opinions, questions. Excited to do this, and let's get cracking, shall we? So the first question, well, Super Chat contribution from Matthew Stein. It is uh, a blank Super Chat contribution. Thank you, Matthew. Appreciate the the uh, support. Andrew P. Hey, Jeremy. Great job on Mark's interview. Thank you very much, Andrew. How would Bruce Brown even fit in? Who sits? And how would that solve the creation issue? Like idea of Lowry. Also, are the Knicks better without Jalen Brunson? Definitely not better without Jalen Brunson. Uh, let's work backwards. Lowry, I've thought of him like, hey, look, the Hornets didn't get to move Lowry, would he be an option in New York? And ultimately, I think it would be lower priority for the Knicks. Not to say, hey, it's completely ruled out, but there is that Villanova connection. There is a need there. There's some level of talent. I just don't think that a 38-year-old player is the direction the Knicks necessarily want to go. I think Lowry's going to want to look for a larger role. It wouldn't shock me if he went to LA, but of course, that's a West Coast team. He has been predominantly East Coast for the vast majority of his career. So uh, would I be shocked? Of course not. I would just be pretty surprised if the Knicks, you know, if they didn't make a move, I would then think, all right, Lowry's probably a much more realistic possibility. If they went out and got, say, a PJ Washington and then they didn't get someone at that lead guard position, maybe there would be some tea leaves there. All that being said, I just don't think that he is exactly what they're looking for. I think there's going to be other ways to get what he provides. Uh, as for Bruce Brown, yes, I think fit could be considered questionable in terms of the shooting aspect. And I know that's a big focus. I totally get that. But I'd also like to remind folks that last year, the Knicks had a starting front court of RJ Barrett, Julius Randle, and Mitchell Robinson. They had Isaiah Hartenstein off the bench. And even with all that, they still went out and got Josh Hart. Now, did it help that Josh Hart was in fuego in the corner? It absolutely did. That was a huge factor in all of this. But it just goes to show that even looking at Hart's track record and the lingering thoughts that happened this time last year were, what's the deal with the shot? You know, he's not the best shooter. They, he doesn't shoot a ton. What's going to happen? And the Knicks said, screw it. We're going to get him anyway because he fits with what we're doing. And... That's kind of how I think they would envision something with Bruce Brown. He offers enough on the intangibles. Uh, he, he's not like this darling on the offensive metrics from a, an EPM standpoint. His cleaning the glass numbers on offense this year are outstanding. I believe they were 99th percentile uh, for on-off. His defense was not great. It was actually quite sluggish, but there's probably room for improvement. There's something to be said as well of how Tibbs seems to get quite a bit out of these players. Is there something that uh, that needs to be done? So interesting as these, this is a fun part as well about doing live 
uh, live stream, we've got a report by Jake Fisher about Bruce Brown. He said, we've got a new team to monitor for Bruce Brown Jr. Utah and Toronto have discussed a deal for Brown. Um, interesting. I am confused a little bit by that because it would seem to be, I guess the question with Utah, are they going for it or are they trying to keep their pick? Because if they finish with a bottom 10 record and finish top 10 on the draft, they keep their pick this year. And if they do it again next year, they keep it next year as well. Let's focus on this year though. Utah, of course, a reason why I'm sure they're being looped into this is they've got all this excess draft capital. If I'm the Knicks, I'm holding pretty firm at all of my future unprotected picks. And when I say pretty firm, I mean, it's non-negotiable. It's not up for debate. If I'm looking at the other protected picks, yeah, Washington, obviously that could go. The Detroit one, that's fine. The Dallas pick, well, Toronto's pretty set in terms of their 2024 picks. So it leaves the Milwaukee pick. And I've talked about that with Brogdon, but there's the prevailing thought of if I'm the Knicks, maybe I don't want to move that 2025 first. Maybe I want to hold on to it. It's going to be a better draft class next year. You could say that about all sorts of drafts. You know, these are teenagers for the most part that we're talking about. But I think there's got to be, if you're New York, some hesitancy towards dealing that pick. Enter Utah which could absolutely be used as leverage. Now, maybe there's a prevailing thought of a three-team deal here, right? Like, is there salary that could be moved where the Knicks get Bruce Brown, Evan Fournier goes to Utah, um, Utah sends some sort of salary to Toronto, and then there's some sort of pick where it's like, if if uh, Utah really wants to go for it, well, the Knicks have two first-round picks in this draft. Maybe they'd be willing to take one of those. Um, because if you're Toronto, you're looking for that happy medium. And so then they could say to a team like Utah, like, listen, Utah, we don't want a 2024 first. We want something that's later. And the Jazz could say, well, we've got all sorts of unprotected picks that are owned by the um, that are owned by us that we got from Minnesota and from Cleveland. We'll have three first round picks next year. Maybe we don't want that, but we could also add protections potentially and See where that goes. There's also the Lakers first in 2027 that Utah owns. Uh, it's a protected pick. So I think there's room for these teams to play. This, and absolutely, Toronto could be interested. But there's a level of it that feels like posturing, smokescreen, anything to try to leverage the Knicks into something else. Because I just don't think that his market is quite that large. Um, so let's see. And this is... Uh, from Jonathan Macri, retweeted by the Knicks Film School account, said the Jazz going to league sources and discussed a framework uh, with the Raptors that would bring Brown to Utah in return for uh, Kelly Olynyk and uh, Abaji. Interesting. I don't know if that's quite better than Fournier and a, an even protected first, because I don't know what Toronto's trying to do. Would they then be trying to flip Olynyk because he's expiring money but doesn't really help? All the fascinating things. Keep using that word. It's a fascinating time, folks. It's unprecedented, right? It's an unprecedented time. Uh, just all the amazing parts of this that go in and out. So, Andrew, this is a very long-winded way. I'm sorry that Jake Fisher bombarded your question, but I think there is a fit in terms of who's sitting. I think Deuce is probably that middle innings reliever where I don't think he's necessarily sitting, but he's not going to be a priority. Uh, he's one of those guys that just helps when you have time, but if you have someone better, then yeah, you could probably give him a little bit more time. I'd still rather not move Quentin Grimes. So 
uh, in terms of creation issue, it probably wouldn't solve it a ton, which is why we have to hope that Jalen Brunson is healthy. But what you get in creation issues from, say, Alec Burks, you lose out in not having the salary that you want to move in the summer. Uh, Jordan Clarkson, you do have some salary that you can use, but is he going to get played off the floor defensively? How much time is he really going to see in the playoffs? Playoffs are a different animal. So thank you for that question, Andrew. And again, apologies for the interruption. From Zach Halovich. Uh, hey, Jeremy. So money works when we trade Flynn separately into the Pistons TPE and trade Archie with picks for Burks. Uh, but do you think the team would trade Archie? I don't. I don't see it. I think there are other ways to go about getting Alec Burks that don't involve moving Ryan Archie Diacono. I think that they value his role on this team. I'm not saying that he is untouchable, that you can't trade him. It's really more a matter of if we can avoid it, then we might as well. And there are other ways to go about this that don't involve trading Archidiacono. So my guess would be using traded player exceptions or, you know, as I've talked about, maybe it's involving a team like Atlanta to get Patty Mills or uh, save them a little bit of money and then go to get Alec Burks with the Mills salary and save Detroit a little bit more money, something like that. But I don't think that Archidiacono will be moved, nor do I think he should be. But again, He's not going to see much playing time. He has not scored a single point this year. So we shall see. But I don't think he'll be moved. Brett Wright, thank you for the Super Chat contribution. How about Hayward? Has size, can shoot, and not an awful defender, and can run the second unit at the two or the three with Hart so McBride can play off ball. Hayward has reportedly not wanted a buyout so that he could get bird rights with Charlotte. If I'm new management, the ownership team that came in there, I'm probably... Super ambivalent, and I just don't care. Probably more apathetic than anything. In terms of Hayward, his shooting has fallen off a bit. He's not going to be really your corner three guy. He's not much of a two. If anything, he's more of a of a four. Maybe you can see time with the three. I mean, I I don't trust him to run an offense. I don't trust him to stay healthy. He'd be a buyout candidate because the money doesn't work really to get him. It would work potentially if you could aggregate salaries with Achua and or Flynn, but considering how the Knicks cannot do that, it's just not really a feasible option because they'd have to move someone like Hartenstein or they'd be, I mean, Fournier would have to go out. The math is just so tricky that it's not going to happen. So we're talking about a buyout. And if we're looking at a buyout situation with Hayward, then I wouldn't say no. I also just don't think it really advances the Knicks much at all. And I don't trust him to be the beacon of health. Um, and I think that's a, a real problem. But Brett, thank you for the suit check contribution. Jason M. What about this idea for a trade since teams not valuing 2024 picks? Knicks trade their own lottery protected 2025 pick that converts to three or four seconds immediately if it doesn't convey. Problem with that is it now gums up the works for Stepien. So if the Knicks entered this off season with a 2025 protected pick out the door, then at that moment, the soonest they could trade a pick would be 2027 unprotected. And I don't believe that that is the wisest move because it would mean they only have three unprotected picks that they could trade and it would force them to have to move. Uh, even if it were two of the three, like pick five years in the future is difficult. That's, that's hard to take. We also just received word that DeJounte Murray will be out tonight against the Celtics. Um, let's say uh, lower back tightness. I 
I'm going to call BS on that. Of all the times that a player like DeJounte Murray would be injured, it's pretty fascinating that it would happen to be now. So, uh, yeah. But in terms of the pick, if if we're talking about a pick to give up, I mean, it doesn't help the Knicks' long-term goals by locking up a 2025 first, especially because it would lock them up through the deadline next season. And if there were magically a star or some sort of player that they coveted that came about, they're still in the same problem. So I wouldn't advise it. I think if anything, the reason why they did it last year was because they felt more comfortable about the time in between getting a star and not. We're one year closer to the Knicks making that inevitable star trade. And I think we're closer to it than we might think. So as a result, I think the Knicks would shy away from this type of move. Chris A, what do you think about Sam Quinn suggesting the next trade for Keldon Johnson? Do you think he'd fit and do you think he'd get he'd even get minutes? I didn't fully understand that from the Knicks perspective. Just I don't think what he does is that different. I'm gonna I'm gonna caution myself. I think there's a lot of overlap with what Keldon Johnson has done and with RJ in terms of more shot profile i'd have to go back and check but there's like um there's almost something that the knicks have shied away from in efficiency and again i'm i'm not perfect i'm not going to say that i watch every spurs game there are a lot i don't but yeah when i look at Keldon johnson in terms of efficiency like og ananobi very efficient player they focused on that the knicks have been giving deuce mcbride minutes obviously because they're down several players but even when healthy because his efficiency has been up so when I see Keldon Johnson being once again in the 30s in terms of true shooting percentile and uh, 33rd percentile effective field goal percentage, 26th percentile last season, pretty paltry three-point shooting, it doesn't inspire a lot of confidence that this is the type of player that they should be going after. Uh, he would be continuous soup, but if we're going by the contract, we were talking about a player who's earning it's a descending deal, which in theory sounds great, but in reality, it's maybe harder to do because that's less money to then work with. So I'm not really a fan of Keldon Johnson as a trade target for the Knicks. I think there's probably an opportunity somewhere for some team. Maybe Detroit wants to take a bite. I don't know. Uh, it's just not really the Knicks. I don't think that would be the best marriage. At this point in time, Mike mode, maybe this is a dumb question, but when exactly does a trade need to be made by midnight tomorrow night? I assume, right? Not a dumb question. The trade deadline is at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on February 8th. So no trades can be done after that. Reports might trickle in, but that's the official cutoff. 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Ed Flood, thank you for the Super Chat contribution. Seems Julius Randle coming back before OG at this point. Honestly, couldn't tell you. I mean, I don't know if the Knicks are being coy with OG Ananobi's injury. Perhaps they're doing the same thing with Julius Randle. I mean, again, reevaluated in, what was it, two to three, three to four weeks is not the same as returning. So it could be, yeah, he's coming along nicely, but this isn't something that can be uh, easily done. My hope would be that OG Ananobi is back by the first game after the All-Star game. That would give him plenty of time to rest. 
They've been winning games without him. They could have obviously used him for uh, the Lakers loss, but they've just been hanging on. I don't know how they'll do tomorrow. I don't know if they'll be able to win that game. This is the Pacers game too. That could be slightly problematic, but from the Knicks, it's the long-term view that I have. So if OG needs to sit, then so be it. Would naturally hope that Quentin Grimes can come back. Certainly unfortunate that Colin Sexton and he bumped knees to the point where he's still out. Thank you for the super check. And Bree, Jeremy, what about Caruso and the complications that come with his contract? So acquiring Caruso could be done in a couple ways. It would be the, hey, we trade one player into a trade player exception to get a bigger salary to then get Caruso. Caruso will also cost draft equity that I don't think the Knicks necessarily want to give up. You know, the defense would absolutely be outstanding if you had Caruso and Ananobi on the floor together. I also feel like, hey, maybe there's not really a clear need to get Caruso. Uh, he He's a want. I don't think he's a need. I think if you're like we saw what the Knicks were able to do defensively without Caruso. And sure, maybe you add him, you get an even better defense. Uh, not denying that. It's the opportunity cost of the picks that you use. And it probably will be plural picks needing to get Caruso. And do I think that, like, you could look at this and say, well, how is Caruso getting more than OG Ananobi? And I think the thought process there is, well, it depends on how much you value RJ Barrett, Emmanuel quickly, and what's likely to be the 31st pick in the NBA draft. I think that's quite the haul. And in fact, I think that's better haul than two protected firsts that another team could give up for Caruso, which it seems like the Bulls want. If I'm Chicago, I'm not selling low. I could always reevaluate this in the summer. Uh, the complications that come with the contract, it's really just getting to that point. You know, maybe they could loop in Fournier and get Caruso, but then the Bulls would have to add in other salary. Do they want to take on more money, assuming that Fournier's salary, you know, costs cost them more money this year? Not quite sure. I just don't see him fully as a target because also if you give up Ornier, then it squeezes you a bit more in terms of players that you would flip this summer. And that's not to say that you couldn't flip a player like Alex Crusoe. It's just about stacking salaries. If you want to get a star, okay, you have Alex Crusoe in the building. You gave up Evan Fournier for him in this situation or this scenario. So how are you getting a star if you want to get one? Like the money doesn't quite work if it's Mitchell Robinson and Caruso. It works if it's Julius Randle, but are the Knicks that eager to give up a player in Julius Randle uh, unless they get another elite player back? And if they do get an elite player back, would they prefer having three all NBA players or would they rather just stick to two with one of them potentially being uh, an injury risk? And Joe Embiid and there are other names there, of course. There's no perfect scenario here, but Caruso to me feels more like, again, a a want, not a need, but he is fantastic. If the Knicks had the adequate salary they were looking for, I, I could understand it. There's some hoops they could jump through, which I think they absolutely can do. But at what cost? Again, I don't see him being worth a couple protected firsts. I just, I think that's too much when you have Ananobi in the building. It's like, hey, mom, can we get McDonald's? No, we have McDonald's at home. 
but McDonald's at home is actually just like a gourmet meal, like a, a the greatest burger you've had or that you could have in the area. So I would say that's probably how I'd go about it if I'm in the Knicks. Stay away from Crusoe, not because he's not worth it, but because the cost was not worth as a player, but because the cost will just be so incredibly rich. NJ Latino 85. Hey, Jeremy, is it possible a three team deal where we get campaign bucks, get Finley Smith and Flynn uh, and the Nets get Beauchamp and Conadin. It would have to be two trades. It would also have to feature the Knicks and the Nets making a trade, which I think would be quite surprising if it were done where it's the Bucks saying, hey, we'll do this deal with the Nets and then we'll do this deal with the Knicks. Perhaps, perhaps there's an angle to do it that way. But I just don't know. I just don't, I don't think this is the move that the Knicks go for. Um, yeah, I think they can do better than, than Cameron Payne. I think there was a point over the summer where it made sense to get him. Then he was bought out. So his contract is now very cheap. So it doesn't, yes, the Knicks could, could certainly do this deal. I just don't, I don't know if it really benefits them. And, and there's something to be said of with how Flynn is playing He's younger. He's had less injury risk than, than Cameron Payne. Payne's had some, uh, he's been banged up a little bit over the years, especially last year. I think he missed a decent amount of time. I think just standing Pat uh, might better suit them given what Flynn can offer, which isn't a ton, but I just don't, I think they're better options than, than Cameron Payne. But I, I like, I do like the creativity. And if it were a way to get the Knicks to trade with the Nets, this is the closest thing we could get to the, some team brokering a peace deal. Where it's like, yeah, we're not really working with you, but we're not not working with you. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, Prize Picks. Not only are they the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, but they're also the easiest and most exciting way to play. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, it's just you against the numbers, picking more than or less than on a two to six player stat projection. With the NBA season more than midway through and the NFL season with just three games left, now is as good a time as any to pick combo projections across sports from the Specials League. For example, on any given night, take Jalen Brunson over in points, Julius Randle over in rebounds, or OG Ananobi over in steals. Then combine it with two NFL props, like Patrick Mahomes over in passing yards, or Christian McCaffrey over in touchdowns. Prize Picks is a really simple way to play. Prize Picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big pay Outs. Like on Taco Tuesday each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Prize Picks now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account all basketball season. You know what to do. Go to prizepicks.com slash KFS and use code KFS for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash KFS and use code KFS for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, it's daily fantasy sports made easy. Gordo, what do you think about a trade for Andrew Wiggins? Hard pass. I, he's having a very down year. That's not necessarily the reason to go against it it's just like where's where's the playing time I, I don't necessarily see it I he had a phenomenal year in Golden State when they won the championship you also have OG Ananobi in that role that's that OG does what he does in that role you don't really need Wiggins to come in and 
just be more inefficient. Uh, it, it's it's also ma- salary matching. Are you, how are you getting there? Are you getting in the tax? It's a whole thing. So I just, I would be very, very I, shocked. I would be shocked if they went this route. Matthew Stein, Grimes, Fournier, Mitch, and picks for Capella uh, Bogdanovich from the Hawks. I would not do this personally. I think that I'd rather have Mitchell Robinson, even when not healthy on that contract, than Capella as he enters 30. I, I think that the ship is kind of I, like this is a trade of a player out of the rotation, a, a two young players that are what under 26 for and picks for two players in their 30s. It, I can't say that interests me, Matthew. It's just not a move that I would feel comfortable with the Knicks making at this point in time. I get what you're going for. Hey, let's let's get another center. Let's get someone who can uh, be an offensive threat, more of a secondary ball handler. I I can't I can't uh, get there in terms of wanting to green light this trade. I'm sorry, but I appreciate you bringing it up here. Big B, thank you for the Super Chat contribution. How realistic is Lowry as a buyout option? Thanks. I mentioned it towards the top. I think that it'd be less likely, but I can't, I don't want to rule it out. I mean, there are certainly reasons there. If Philly feels like Embiid comes back, then I'm sure it makes, I mean, Lowry probably makes the most sense for them. He's from Philly. His family's still in the area, to my knowledge. They need another player. If he were looking to just play and keep them alive, then that makes the most sense to me. If he wants to go to the West Coast for a few months, he could do that. If the Lakers don't make a significant move, that's an option. I don't think that's the best landing spot for him personally. Yeah, if the Knicks were to focus on a forward instead, especially if they feel like Julius Randle is going to be hurt, then Lowry does make sense as a buyout candidate. He's 38 years old, shot pretty well this year. But I don't expect it. I'd be I'd be pretty surprised. Thank you. QJ, who do you think the inevitable star trade will be for? Gun to your head. I I'm not gonna do this now. I I get the question. I totally understand it. I just I I'm gonna plead the fifth. I, mainly because there's some great options and I don't want to spoil future cap or no caps, but there are going to be a few stars that are on the market, presumably. And uh, I think the Knicks could could go a number of different ways with those players. I, I don't think there are terrible options, but I, I appreciate the ask. Can't do it. I'm not. I'm not going to budge. I'm sorry. Well, you'll find out soon enough. Ben Kim Gurvey, Jeremy Booby, two questions. How does our front office value chemistry relative to talent? Where did you learn to dance? In terms of uh, first question, how do the front office value chemistry or how do they value chemistry relative to talent? This is going to be a cop out, but I'm sure they value both. Like I, I look at DeJounte Murray and the Instagram comment that he had, which was something along the lines of, I don't know if it was directly throwing teams, his player, his teammates under the bus, but it wasn't good. Right. And then I think about the Knicks and any sort of drama that has occurred. And I feel like the sticking point, like the most dramatic thing that's happened with the Knicks involved Quentin Grimes and Josh Hart earlier in the year, feeling like they weren't being played 
in the roles that they envisioned. I can't think of anything else. You know, like winning solves a lot, but it's not like there have been spats that we found out about uh, teammates not throwing anyone under the bus. And this is a talented group. The Knicks have clearly done their homework with so many of their players to get the most optimal players who can buy into the roles that they have under Tom Thibodeau. And I think that's supremely important. So I'd say they value both a great deal. Obviously, talent is a huge factor. You have to have talent. We also have to like the people in, in many ways. I know that we could point to Phil Jackson tactics and players not really having a good environment and what the chaos can do to bring that out. I also think this is a different era. I mean, we're, we're looking at a generation of basketball players who the vast majority are millennials who probably do not respond in the same way that Gen X or even to a, to some extent, probably less so though, but um, baby boomers would be evaluating it. So it's, it's just different. And I think that the need to feel that camaraderie probably plays a huge role in, in terms of, um, in terms of chemistry where I learned to dance, baby, I was born with it. I was born to dance, but I will say some of those moves. Look, I, I got to give some credit. I, uh, I went to a performing arts school here in New York city for high school. And instead of gym, well, gym, I had senior year, but for three years, I had to do dance. I had to do jazz, tap, and ballet. Not in that order, but I had to do it. And it was fun. I mean, you know, could have could have obviously done PE and we were naturally enrolled in it, but had a great time. So shout out to all my LaGuardia grads. Um, I all day. But thank you, Ben, for the question and for the uh, for both of them. Dirty Dancer, do you think Fournier contract is picked up if the Knicks, for some reason, don't trade him? Yes, 100%. It would not help them whatsoever if they traded Fournier, or if they just didn't trade Fournier and then declined his team option. They would be working with less salary. They would be eliminating continuous soup. They would uh, essentially be looking in the mirror and saying, no soup for you. And that would be a real problem for them as they try to navigate everything. But I did have a thought uh, earlier today, and I'm going to preface this by saying I do not think it's a realistic thought, but one that maybe could be of interest. Let's say that the Knicks don't get Bruce Brown, and instead they go after Alec Burks. They need that continuous soup to help them. Fournier's salary is good, but it also isn't quite as much as they might need like there's a, there, I would feel a little bit better if there was some extra money on top of it. like even if it were two million dollars more. And I was thinking if if you had to move Fournier, right, you're not moving him for a rotation piece this year because you've just gotten Alec Burks, but you still want money to move. What could you do? You don't want any unrestricted free agents this summer. It's not matching expiring contract for expiring contract. So. What could you do? Is there another contract you could bring in that is bloated and helps you from a salary perspective? And then I thought, well, there's one option which is intriguing, 
you can't really count on much happening. And normally I wouldn't suggest acquiring anyone who's got a player option. But the Knicks had a meeting with Clutch Sports. And I'm just saying, if there were ever a player to just sit in the corner and say, we don't need you, it's totally fine. And we're comfortable with you picking up your player option. Lonzo Ball wouldn't be the worst thing in terms of pure salary from a talent perspective, obviously talented. Don't know what's there because of how injured he has been, but he he's perfect from a salary matching standpoint, at least perfect to me because there's a little extra money than you had with the Fournier contract. I know I'm being vague and all will be, all will be revealed in a few months. I promise. But if you had that and you said to clutch, look, if we needed to turn this direction, we'd want to flip him and, and get him to another spot. But this is the sort of thing of where we're at, where our thinking is. That's the sell for New York for why it would be appealing. It's purely financial. From Chicago's point of view, it's, well, do we really want to spend more money on uh, on Lonzo? Obviously, he's a much better player when healthy than Evan Fournier, but does Chicago want to be a cap space team? They have DeMar DeRozan coming off the books. If they re-sign him, is it going to be for far cheaper than what he signed for? Are they going to re-sign him? Patrick Williams, is the extension going to be that large? I'm inclined to think no. Uh, it probably is not going to be huge. So maybe it's a cost-saving move. Um, as we hear more, the asking price, speaking of the Bulls, for Andre Drummond is at least multiple second-round picks. That's from Jake Fisher. So again, I, I, I'm going to say again, I don't think that what I'm saying will happen. I really don't. But if you're the Knicks and you're thinking of ways to be creative and you got Alec Burks and you still want to think about that long-term future and you don't want to give up assets and you also probably expect a tiny thing back because you're taking on an extra $20 million in this case, that is an avenue. But once again, I do not expect it. Don't think it'll happen. Dirty answer once again. Can the Knicks trade Fournier after the season is over, but before the option date? No, because uh, he would be an expiring uh, contract, on an expiring contract. The Knicks need to make a choice. They will either pick up the option and trade him or not pick up the option and he walks. So they have to make a decision. Uh, it used to be from more of a non-guaranteed perspective that like, or a partial guarantee, you could trade a player Let's say it's a million dollars that's guaranteed. Like the Wayne Ellington deal. They could have traded him for a million, but it would have, by trading him, the contract would have been fully guaranteed, but his uh, outgoing salary would have been, or, you know, the, the math would have been weird where it's like a million dollars coming in or, or whatever it would have been. It, it's, can't, it can't fly anymore. So if they want to trade Evan Forney after the deadline, it would require them to pick up the option. Tingus Pingus, thank you for the Super Chat contribution. Why didn't New York go for Fontecchio? Can shoot and defend on the bench behind OG. Also, please rank top five trade options, including bogey, based on how uh, realistic. I just don't think that they feel they need Fontecchio. Like, yeah, he, he brings value. Don't get me wrong. But we're talking about another expiring contract who's a restricted free agent, so they can't easily flip him this summer. They could have acquired him into the player, uh, the trade player exception, and I still do expect the Knicks to look into it. A main reason is that the, if a team goes over the first apron, they lose the ability to use their traded player exception. So I would gather that the Knicks between now and 
say July would like to be using that player exception to get some sort of rookie skill contract. That's why I'm so fascinated by AJ Griffin. If they less again, it's not even from a oh they love him from a player standpoint. I'm sure that they would like him. He's had a very down year. He's missed time from personal issues. Um, but in terms of like getting a player using the exceptions and avenues that you have, it's kind of like, yeah, let's do it before we can't do it. Might as well, especially if we're going to worry, like if we're going to be in the first above first tax tax apron anyway, let's do it. It, If it doesn't impact our bottom line to get into the second tax apron, we're good. So I don't think Fontecchio really helps them do much this summer and that they can find talent that basically like when, when is Fontecchio going to see minutes in the playoffs? I'd be shocked. I like oh, truly, I would be very surprised if he saw significant minutes or really any important minutes. And in the playoffs, almost every minute is important, except for the blowouts, of course. So, uh, and in terms of ranking the top five options, including Bogey, based on how realistic, uh, I guess I'll go Brown, Burks, Dejounte. I don't even feel great about that. Oh, no, Brown, Burks, Clarkson, DeJounte, and then uh, Bogdanovich, I guess, just to round out the five because I can't think of it, of who would be a better option uh, in comparison. So yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. But thank you for the Super Chat contribution. Tingus Pingus. Christopher, is Luke Kennard a possibility? Kennard is like the Fournier contract in that non-guaranteed next year, like, yeah, you could do it, but also it's less money that you have to play with next summer, this upcoming summer. So I'd rather just keep Fournier and guarantee him than bring in Kennard. And again, it's not like it's Fournier better than Kennard. Fournier, it's not even playing. That's not even it. It's just, if you're keeping Fournier, you're keeping him because you're committing to his money. And his money, his contract is the most valuable thing about him this summer. So getting Kennard or less money, but more talent, the less money part hurts you more. Unless, of course, you can find a way to use that TPE to get someone that's earning, you know, five or six million dollars next year. I've looked, there aren't a ton of options that just floating around. Like AJ Griffin's not even that player. So you need to supplement it in some way. I don't want to say it's a 0% possibility to get Luke Kennard. I would just say I'm, I'd be very surprised if that happened. Z's, how would the math work on a Burks trade? No way they take back less money, but better fit than Bruce Brown, in my opinion. So once again, number of different ways. The way I would go about it is trading um, Flynn to Atlanta, get Patty Mills and trade Mills to Detroit to get Burks. The Knicks steer clear of the tax. They save Detroit some money. They save Atlanta some money. Would hope that they're able to finagle this in a way where they don't even really have to give up much in terms of pick equity because they're doing two teams a small favor. And hey, like we'll give you a second round pick for the optics. But that's how I would do it. I wouldn't touch the Fournier portion of it. I wouldn't trade Precious Achua. Uh, you could say, well, why don't they just take on Patty Mills and then trade him for Alec Burks? They could do that. But now we're talking about tax issues, and I just don't think they're going to go in the tax this year. 
Sean with a W. What's up, Sean? I meant to ask you this on Saturday, but why are you against a deal for D'Angelo Russell? He's surely picking up his option next season so he can continue to soup him and he can provide playmaking. A couple reasons. Uh, at TLDR, why do you hate D'Angelo Russell? Well, here's what I'll say. A good example of the game that the Lakers and the Knicks played was D'Angelo Russell not playing in the fourth quarter. I don't trust him to see significant minutes in the playoffs. I worry that if you play him, you could lose those minutes and the margin for error, the margin of error is just so small. In terms of regular season eating those minutes, I like the offense. I do. I think that he grades out quite well from a Knicks perspective where they'd be comfortable doing it. The defense really worries me, but it also goes to the contract where he's earning around the same as Fournier. I still would like to get a player that's earning more than those two players. He does have a player option. The first case study in NBA history, because this was new with the CBA, of a player getting the player option and waiving his no trade clause right away. So it's not like, hey, anytime you have a player option, you get a no trade clause. It had to do with the rights that he had, where giving him a one-year deal plus the player option uh, just happened to, in this case, give him a no trade clause. But he waived it before the season even began. So I don't, uh, I'm against the deal because I think there's a lot more working that has to go into it. I think also, I mean, if, if, if the Knicks were that interested, other teams would also be interested. And it seems like a lot of teams aren't very interested. So if I'm New York, he's really not a top option. I just don't think that he plays within the flow of what they're looking for. He's a very good individual talent at times. Um, other times, he just makes you want to pull your hair out. I just don't see the fit here in New York. And the, like if the salaries were, if the salary was a little bit better, just a little bit, I'd feel better about it. I feel like, you know, I, I don't love it, but maybe he could be an innings eater. But I just, there's, it's not enough where I feel comfortable with it. So I'm sorry, Sean. I, I know that dream lives with you, but it dies with me. Carlos Hernandez. How likely is it the Knicks don't make a move at the deadline? I think it's pretty unlikely. I think they recognize that this is a team that was two wins away from making the Eastern Conference Finals. They're playing better this year than they were last year when healthy. They, they Making an addition will help them. And they also need healthy bodies. I mean, their entire front court when healthy, when everyone's healthy, the whole front court is out, right? Like... He's starting. It, it, even if you were to say, well, Hartenstein should play ahead of Mitch and blah, 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 like, fine. But they're still missing three key front court players. Missing Quentin Grimes, super important. We saw Jalen Brunson go down with an injury. He should be fine. Josh Hart has been talking about his knee. He went down. So they need someone because they can't rely on Evan Fournier to help them win games. And they need these bodies to just keep them fresh for the playoffs. So I think it's very unlikely that the Knicks don't make a move, AKA I think it's likely that they do. Dirty Dancer. If Jules is done for the year, is there any realistic sell move you would consider? No. Uh, like in terms of the Knicks downgrading, not really. I don't see why they don't keep trying to go for it. Obviously they need him. I think if he's really hurt, I understand the PJ Washington angle of it. I tweeted about this. There was some 
pushback about like, oh, well, PJ Washington could be a backup four because the Knicks need a backup four. And I, I, this is assuming when Randall's healthy, and I just was left like figuratively shaking my head and or scratching my head rather, scratching my head because well, like, PJ Washington is playing 29 minutes a game. A reason they moved Obi Toppin was because they couldn't play him more than what, like 16 minutes a game. If Randall comes back, where are the minutes going? Neither Randall nor Washington can be trusted to play the five. I think you could say, well, Washington was a, like, there's talent there. It's hard to judge him because the Hornets are a bad team. And I get it. I think that his defense in general before this year has graded out okay, but not at the five, not as a rim protector. And so if you're bringing Washington in here, what are you really bringing him in to do? Like, it seems, if anything, you're bringing him in here to be a higher usage four that isn't the best off the catch that you essentially need to replace Julius, not to sub in for Julius. I just don't see it. Any, any time that you get a high minutes per game player into an equation where you already have when healthy, a lot of high minutes players and you're not swapping any of them out. Someone's going to be very unhappy and it doesn't make sense, but it does make sense. If suddenly that high usage, high minute player that you needed is gone and you're trying to be creative and you don't necessarily want OG to be at the four because you view him as more of a three because perhaps from a, an offensive focal point where the Knicks really seem to like having good talent at the four, like they like connectors. Randall and Obi were different, but and how Obi was used obviously was not quite the same there either, but it seems like they like having a player who can command that level of attention on offense that OG and Obi simply cannot. And that PJ Washington probably can't either, but at least you get closer to that. So I wouldn't sell. I think it's more realistic that they try to scale up to find something that helps them win games, but not at the risk of hurting the future. And then that's where the Fournier contract comes into play. So I just don't see them doing more of a sell move. Jared Okun, what about Jonathan Isaac? Could this work? There was a question by Ben Kim Gurvey earlier about talent over uh, chemistry and how those mix. I don't know. I, I just, I'm not in the locker room. I'm not there. I don't know these people. Jonathan Isaac, uh, I don't, I just, I don't know. I'll leave it at that. In terms of could this work from an on-court standpoint, Isaac's defense has been great. His offense just very poor. He gets hurt. He's been okay in terms of health since coming back. If memory serves, not an option I necessarily go towards. There's, we get into the same boat of the contract. Would like it if it were a little bit more expensive. I just don't think it'll work. I don't trust him to stay healthy. Not the biggest fan of bringing him in here. JG. Question slash thoughts. Hi, Jeremy. I feel like the Knicks will get two pieces. That makes two of us. First is either Burks or Bruce Brown. That makes two of us. The second is buyout Kyle Lowry. All right. What say you? Thanks. So, JG, do you think that getting Burks or Brown and then signing Lowry uh, is not redundant? Rather, do you think that it is redundant? Because I do. I think that having those two players... Uh, or the, you know, Lowry and one of the other guys, I'm not saying that they play the same position because they don't really, but 
it just feels like there's a redundancy there that the Knicks don't necessarily need. I think if you're going to get a piece like PJ Washington, then getting Lowry makes sense because you say to Lowry, look, we need you to run an offense because that's just what is that's where we're at. We needed to put our resources instead to the forward position. Um, you want to come in here and and play. That is the appeal. But for me, my my thought is that they yes they get one of Burks or Brown let's say they get Brown if they get Brown they go after an AJ Griffin type if it's Burks then they get creative with the money and try to bring in more salary for continuous soup um, so that's what I say and uh, but I, I like generally the thought process that you have there but I like it because I happen to feel that way too so thank you we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ben Kim Gerby. Thank you, Jeremy. One follow-up. Do you think the front office would take would trade a key chemistry piece for a talent upgrade? Example, Hart, how much of an upgrade would it take? Josh Hart cannot be traded this year for whatever it's worth. He signed an extension in August. The trade restriction on that was six months. The restriction ends, I think, next week, which would imply, yeah, it's got to be next week, which would mean that he cannot be dealt. So as a result, I don't see them doing it. They're not going to move DiVincenzo. There really isn't a core piece that or, uh, you know, from a talent upgrade, key chemistry that I think that they are willing to do. The OG and OB trade, obviously, was the earth shattering one. It's the largest trade that they've had uh, since Leon Rose took over. I think they're going to be more on the margins that they're going to look for packaging players out of the rotation and any draft comp to get a player who would be in the rotation. It's what they did for Derek Rose. Um, it's essentially what they did for Cam Reddish. It's what they did for Josh Hart when they had Cam Reddish out of the rotation. They are creatures of habit. I fully expect them to stick with this. I also don't see talent better than OG Ananobi necessarily being traded. It depends on how you view DeJounte Murray. I think that DeJounte Murray, obviously named to an all-star team, a point guard. There's like a sexiness to the point guard spot. In terms of like winning pieces, I'd rather have OG Ananobi, truly. Um, I know he creates far less. I understand there's some people who are going to love DeJounte Murray who feel differently, but we're just going to have to agree to disagree on that one. So I don't think that there will be a move that really impacts key chemistry. But here's the other thought. How many of the Knicks players know what it's like to play with Alec Burks? 
I mean, when you look at this team, Julius Randle knows what it's like. Mitchell Robinson certainly does. I think that's it. Quentin Grimes. Quentin Grimes knows. Jericho Sims and Miles McCrudge. So it's five players. One who's out of the rotation. Another who might be. Mitch Robinson's hurt. So, but there's a familiarity. And Tibbs knows how he's used him in the past. So would that be... But then again, if we're talking about trading a, a chemistry piece, a key chemistry guy, like... Other than Archie Diacono, because Deuce McBride also can't be traded. And I don't see Quentin Grimes getting moved for um, any key chemistry or like anyone else. I don't think it's really going to do it. I don't think it's going to happen where Burks is the player that comes in. So I don't think it would be much of an upgrade because I just think they're going to go for kind of like culling the margins, for lack of a better term. Jesse Brooks, DeShante Murray is out tonight. Nick's much? Yeah, mentioned it earlier about the lower back tightness. I don't think it's necessarily the Knicks. I just think it's in the best, the Hawks best interest to say, yeah, you know, DeJounte's hurt tonight. Uh, let's, let's shelve him just in case, because last thing we want is for him to be injured. And if a trade materializes, we then can't do it because he's injured for an extended period of time. So I don't think it's the Knicks. I just think it's in general. Dylan Kitts, does the new CBA regulations kick in in July? I mean, we see more draft day, Trades. It could. It probably depends on super teams. This is a great question to circle back to after the deadline because there are teams that might be in the tax that, like in 2024, 25, that want to avoid that because the salary they get at the draft might impact that. Or perhaps teams want to package a pick with salary and get less salary in return so that it doesn't. Like So they, they stay out of the tax this year. Um, I like that question, Dylan. It's forward thinking. It just might be a little too forward thinking for us to evaluate at this moment. But I'm sure for other teams, there is this thought and it's very much at the forefront of their minds. But for me to sit here and be like, oh, well, this team or that team, I'd have to like, I'd have to look at all of what's the, like the tax teams for this year, look at them next year and evaluate. Um, but it's a great question. Matthew Grossman, considering Washington interest in Grimes, do we think that a move for Gafford is one that gets done before the deadline? I'm less inclined to think that Gafford's here with the way Precious Achua has been playing. He makes a lot of sense. Just keep him. I, I If they trade for Gafford, then another shoe is dropping. I'll just say that because it's it's a it's kind of a head turn eyebrow raising move so i don't think it's going to happen but i also wouldn't trade grimes for gafford it's not something that i think appeals for the knicks because they're adding another big but taking away a wing we don't know what's going on with og ananobi need grimes need him you can only play so many bigs at once so many non-shooting bigs at that. So I, I think that's be a surprise. Cam Burks and Killian Hayes for Evan Fournier. Uh, again, don't love it. We're talking about two expiring contracts, harder to continue to soup them. So I'd be very much out on that. It's less about Burks, the player. It's more about what you get back and how you're positioned for 
whatever moves you need to make four months from now, a year from now, a year and four months from now, all that jazz. So I, I would not be in favor of that. Chewing on. Thank you for the super chat contribution. Derek Rose fits into a trade exception. Might be a good insurance piece, especially after the incoming Burks trade. Hashtag get the band back together. Junon, I have never seen you and Tom Thibodeau in the same room at the same time. I'm a little skeptical. Uh, I I mean, Rose isn't going to play. He's not going to do much. If anything, for his sake, I think signing in Memphis, I mean, yes, there were thoughts of it being a good team, but the angle of being a mentor potentially for John Morant or with him being suspended, Derek Rose playing. Well, now so many of the players are hurt. That's where Derek Rose can get time. Maybe Derek Rose just wishes to play. Uh, he wouldn't really do that in New York because there's a reason the Knicks moved him in the first place or at least let him go. So I, I know it, if this is said in jest, then like love it. If it was said in reality, um, I don't think that will happen. But thank you for the super chat contribution. Okay. Andrew's telling me it's just, I appreciate the humor. Kevin Levitt, thank you for the super chat contribution. Would you consider trading for Wiggins for continuous soup? Or you feel there isn't a fit? He is continuous soup. You don't feel there's a fit. It's really hard to place him with OG. Of course, we don't know the health of OG. The shooting is woeful. I feel like, you know, I know there were talks of Dallas moving in on a Wiggins trade, but then there were no, there's not a lot of traction. He'd make more sense for that type of team. He would have made more sense for Indiana. If they didn't get Siakam, he's got to go to a team that, that like doesn't have an OG type or doesn't have an Aaron Gordon or like any of these spots. It just Wiggins doesn't need to be here. There are other places and the Knicks have other needs than adding Wiggins to the fold. Thank you, though, for the contribution. Javier Mont- uh, Montalvo, thank you very much for the Super Chat contribution as well. I want Marcus Smart. Uh, can you think of any other any other thoughts out of the blue? I think any clouds. I can't tell what emoji that is. Uh, Marcus Smart's been hurt. I don't know if that'll really help them. It is a thought cloud. Okay, thank you, Andrew. So, uh, yeah, I, I just don't know how much he adds if he's hurt. There's a tenacity there. The shot, historically speaking, hasn't been quite as strong as the Knicks would like. But what does Memphis want? I don't know. I feel like it might be richer than the Knicks probably are willing to do. I just don't. If I'm Memphis, what I'm doing is having a full reset year, coming back next year with a shaved payroll, a top 10 pick, John Morant, Desmond Bain, Marcus Smart, Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, and kind of rolling from there. And I think that's a, it's a good, not uh, great core. I think it's a very good regular season team. I think they'll run into issues in the playoffs consistently because I just don't trust their half court offense. I don't trust Jaws lack of shooting incredible individual talent, but the jury's still out on, on impact on winning. So no, I, I would not. I don't want Marcus Smart. I respect that you do want him. I just don't know if he's the best fit for what the Knicks are looking for, given age, injury, contract, continuous soup, but uh, I think slightly lower than the Knicks would maybe want. 
Um, not a terrible option, just uh, by any stretch, Javier, just not an option that I would prefer. But thank you for that contribution. And Johnny Chiba, thank you for the Super Jack contribution as well. Hi, uh, who's your favorite uh, uh, continuous soup ingredient available and why? It would still be um, Bruce Brown. It would also be Malcolm Brogdon, who I forgot to mention earlier, probably because I've already assumed he's just not going to leave the Blazers. I think either of those players fits continuous soup wise to a T more so Brown because he's younger. I think I'd probably take Brogdon for fit though. That's more because of the catch and shoot with the shooting element. Yeah. I mean, you know, Brown does a lot of stuff. What can Brown do for you? You can do quite a bit. Uh, Brogdon, you know, very good player. I think that he could lead an offense. Absolutely. Struggled mightily in the playoffs last year. It was likely due to the injury. Does that come back? Do you trust him? I don't know, but it's why Brown just checks off all the boxes. He's kind of a, a jack of all trades, master of none for a uh, continuous soup perspective. I just can't, I can't shake the feeling that that's the guy they go for because of how many boxes he checks. And I know I keep saying that, but it's true. He does a lot. He doesn't do everything. And I know that the first thing fans are going to look at is the offense, specifically the shooting, but there's more to it. And perhaps, perhaps Tibbs can get more out of him. Uh, I think there's a floater game that's somewhere in there that could be improved upon. So he is my, my number one choice if we're going purely based on the moves that come down the line that involve continuous souping players. Hunter Hostelt, uh, Hostetler, thank you very much, Super Chat Contribution. If we want bench scoring, why not Kobe White? I don't think the Bulls want to give up Kobe White. He's been playing pretty well. He's on a manageable contract. I, if I'm Chicago, I, I honestly want to protect first-round pick for him. I'm not suggesting they get him. But like that they they get a first round pick for him. But I there's no move, there's no need to move him. He's adding talent. The Bulls seem to want to win games. I think it's worthwhile. So I'd keep him if I'm if I'm the Bulls, unless I get an offer that I cannot refuse. Ben Kim Grivy, once again, thank you, Ben. His Holiness, uh Robert T. B. Cross will attend an away game. Any advice on how to get on MSG feed? Uh Thank you, sir, for answering my wacky questions. Anytime, Ben. So any advice on how to get on the MSG feed? I think that if Robert can get on this on the Jumbotron, I really hope that he does, that it would be a, a feed that would run through to any of uh, playback. And we'd be able to just get a great view of, of Robert. And I think Robert, knowing him, would just frown the whole time. But I'd love to see nothing more than than Robert dancing. I think that Robert's got some incredible dance moves somewhere in there. He just doesn't want to let the world know it. And I've met Robert in person. Wonderful person. Wonderful guy. And I just know that he, he's, uh, he's taller than you think. There's a dancer in that, in that body and in that mind and in that spirit. So, Robert, please... Do whatever you can to get in front of a Jumbotron, bust a move, join me uh, in perpetuity with the dance cam. That's, that's all I could ask of you, buddy. 
So thank you, Ben. I think it's a great idea. Jay Vertical, does the Stepien rule apply to our 2024 picks? Since we traded our first in 2023 for Hart, does that mean we can't trade our pick in back-to-back drafts? If the Mavs pick convey, then we can trade. So to reiterate, uh, it's not back-to-back picks. It's back-to-back future picks. The picks that the Knicks made in the past are in the past. They do not impact the Knicks at all this year. If we went back to, oh, hold on real quick. If we went back to last year, if the Knicks traded the Mavericks pick instead, then Stepien wouldn't have been a problem. If the Knicks had traded the pick that they had last year, which they did, they could not trade their 2024 first round pick um, because at least because of the fact that they would uh, be at risk of losing picks for two years in a row in the future. But that's obviously not the case here. The Knicks could trade their 2024 first round pick, but they could not trade their 2025 first round pick. Now they could also instead, though, trade the 2024 Mavericks pick and trade their 2025 unprotected pick. So it's a lot of minutia. It's confusing. Get it. But there are ways to dance around it. The bottom line is the Knicks can trade up to eight first round picks um, if they do all four protected picks own that they own of other teams four unprotected first of their own 2024 26 28 or 2030 or they could do the four protected picks and then three unprotected picks 2025 2027 2029 they just can't trade a pick further than seven drafts out which 24 5 6 27 28 29 2030 they can't trade anything past 2030 D. Fwesh. Uh, thank you very much for the super chat contribution. Is Malik Monk a player the Knicks should look into? I, I kind of just shrugging. It's not anything against Malik Monk. It's more what's it going to cost? Kings want to give him up. Are there better options? Monk, I believe, is an expiring. Uh, he's on an expiring contract. So not really doing a whole lot there to help. So I'd stay away from Monk, but I don't think I was like, if the Knicks really wanted Malik Monk a couple of years ago, like they could have gotten him. And I understand he had a great year in Sacramento. Don't get me wrong, but I think they had the same data that Sacramento had and it's not like they really pushed to get him. So I don't think that they would do it again this year. Um, I'd be surprised. Dirty Dancer, what content will Jeremy give us when we are over the second apron and stuck forever? Well, if the Knicks are over the second apron, it's probably because they have a contender. So my reaction, uh, the content would be happiness, it'd be joy. It would be just bliss. Because again, I don't think that they're going to put themselves in a position where they get into the second apron and they field a bad team. Brock Aller is smarter than that. The Knicks are smarter than that. I just don't think so. So um, that's that's where I'm at. I think I'll be I'll be okay with it. So thank you very much, everyone, for tuning in tonight. Please like this video and subscribe to our channel. If you're listening on the KFS podcast feed later, please leave a five star rating and review. John and I will be recording from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Thursday, February 8th. We will be here an hour before the trade deadline and an hour after the trade deadline. He will be on SNY, but you could stick around. Uh, He'll he'll make an appearance there, but uh, stick around because Andrew and I will be holding down the fort. 
We're really excited about this. Should be an exciting few uh, hours that we've got left. So um, I'll plug as well. We've got, uh, did I say recording or reporting? I, I don't know. I, I, at this, I really don't know, Andrew. At this point, uh, I'm just brain dead. I'm, I'm using all of the brain, uh, uh, the brain cells that I have to get this pod and then get through Thursday and also my day-to-day job. And apparently another Super Chat contribution came in. Uh, Michael Padalano, second apron and years uh, and years of five first for stars ruined trades. Um, I think they ruined trades for the dumb teams that don't know how to plan. Because I think if you're the Knicks, they've had ample opportunity to wait this out. For a lot of people who are impatient, I get it. But also, you want to keep waiting until you get it right. You don't just want to make the trade because you want it to be the right thing. I, Whenever it comes to basketball, specifically the Knicks, I always think of the marshmallow test. I give you a marshmallow right now. Or you could wait and you get two. I'd rather wait and get two. Other people might differ, but in terms of like, yeah, I do. I think there's a a great point that Michael's making about how teams are less likely to make that all in move, like moving forward. But if you plan right, you can do it. You can absolutely do it and it won't necessarily ruin your team either. So um, thank you, Michael. Appreciate that contribution. So yeah, we'll we'll be up and running. We also got some new merch to the KFS store. I know a lot of folks have been asking about hats. We've got some cool hats out there. So check that out. I'm trying to think if there's anything else, but I, I don't believe that there is. So yeah, try to get some sleep, relax, uh, expect the unexpected. Uh, yeah, Andrew's saying nada to sleep. I, I'm also not getting it. So that's it. Thank you all. Appreciate it. See you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.